0: Good morning, good morning, everyone. I am Deb Creer. I'm the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And as we sometimes do on today's program, we're going to deviate from that and talk more about business and personal growth, personal things. Um, But you know what? We can do that because it's my program. And What's really cool is I met my guest via social media. See, so that's how we tie it all back in. You never know where those good business connections are going to come from, especially on Facebook. And my guest and I are Facebook friends. I think we're connected on LinkedIn. If not, we'll have to fix that. But, you know, it it does go to show you that social media is an absolutely perfect place to be making connections with people every single day. So... Please join me in welcoming today's guest, Nancy Tilton Hand.
1: Hi, Deb. It is so wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: It is so great to have you on. And for people who aren't familiar with you, let me go ahead and give your bio. So Nancy Tilton Hand, JD, NLP trainer, and we'll talk about those initials later, is an executive coach, author, and corporate trainer. She helps professionals manage information efficiently, communicate effectively, And negotiate successfully. So the JD part is Juris Doctorate. Nancy is a lawyer. And then NLP Trainer is Neuro Linguistic Programming. And we're really going to talk a lot about that. So Nancy's latest book is Beyond Rainmaking, Accelerated Learning Techniques for Law School, The Bar Exam, and Beyond. It contains secrets to successfully managing massive amounts of information. It is the result of over 30 years of research and Nancy's own experiences in overcoming the effects of ADD and dyslexia. And I read this book and we definitely want to talk about the and beyond because it is a great book for everyone. Nancy draws on her personal expertise, scientific research, and real-life experiences to create compelling and easy-to-understand presentations. She is an energetic presenter whose words resonate with the new generation of professionals seeking a competitive advantage in today's workforce. So please join me again in welcoming Nancy.
1: Thank you, Deb.
0: Well, it is so great to have you on, and you know, as I mentioned, we're really going to be talking about the book and some things that have come from the book, um, and and your new book that is coming out because it's going to be so exciting.
1: Very excited about both both yes. of them, and and just I've I've always seen the the pattern, especially for good communication, and that is absolutely the end passion for me. It's it's communication and negotiation. Negotiation being where the rubber meets the road. That's where decisions mm-hmm. are made, where agreements are are made. And to get there, you have to have the information. Right. And then you have to be able to communicate the information and then feel comfortable asking for what you want and negotiating with that information. And the mm-hmm. Beyond Rainmaking is the first step in that process of of not just being able to find the information and get it, but to be able to retrieve it and use it effectively.
0: Right. You know, and, and I mentioned that the book is definitely for more than just attorneys or uh, <laughs> law students. Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, and because it is about a better way to learn and to absorb yes. or to do tasks and and things like that and as i was going through it i really was thinking ooh this will work you know this is something that i need and granted i've had some health issues which have kind of been a little bit challenging but there you know there are some some of the practices in here most all of the practices hello all of the practices are things that are very easy to do now some of them do take practice mm-hmm. obviously but you know there are ways to really help Anyone. And a big part of it is, is learning to focus, learning to cut out the clutter, yes. learning to really do all sorts of things. And, you know, it, it really was something as I was reading it, I was thinking this is a great book and it is for everyone and not just those who are either lawyers or, or who are, you know, practicing, uh, getting ready to take the bar exam
1: well yes <laughs> and and i had I had some soul searching to do when I first published it. Um, mm-hmm. mainly, it came about because I wrote a blog about one of the techniques that I use quite a lot called photo reading i uh-huh. I refreshed the class, and it was absolutely just still a phenomenal technique. I still love it, and mm-hmm. I wrote a little blog about my experiences with it, and um in the following months, I started getting these wonderful. Detailed emails from law students I'm like well these, this mm-hmm. isn't my normal clientele I'm like where are they coming mm-hmm. from right. <laughs> like how did they find me and I was writing these detailed very carefully crafted emails back and it, it just got to be too much and I thought mm-hmm. well I'll write an article and the book turned into an article and mm-hmm. um, I realized much later down the line I was doing uh, something in my website and I noticed the meta tags and I mm-hmm. tagged it with bar exam <laughs> And that's,
0: ah, that's mm-hmm. how they
1: were finding me. So everybody metatags work.
0: Right. They do. They do. Well, so really, why did you decide to, to write the book? Was that it? You just, you had so much information that you needed to make sure it got out there?
1: Yes. Well, when I went, when I started going into it and, and I'll, I will, I can briefly tell you my history with this because it, it's, it matters for this. I had mm-hmm. a, a traumatic head injury when I was 15. I cracked my skull and my grades dropped substantially mm-hmm. and I ended up I all of the things that, um, we now know about head injuries. They didn't know back then. <laughs> right. And so it happened in rural Canada. It was a horseback riding accident and, um, you know, it was, it was a big deal. A lot of unconsciousness, 10 days in, in the ER, 10 days. I mean, uh, yeah, 10 days in the, in the intensive care, another mm-hmm. 10 in a hospice. And then they said, I couldn't drive. Uh, fly for two years so we had to drive home from Canada oh got to Baton Rouge and um I went to see the best neurosurgeon in town and he looked at me and I looked fine as is often the mm-hmm. case with a head injury. Right. you look okay I was 15 mm-hmm. I was you know sullen and moody like any 15 year old girl
0: mm-hmm. um
1: and kind of up, you know mad about the whole situation I was more cranky than anything <laughs> like right this is an inconvenience like this is so
0: yes. leave me alone like <laughs> leave
1: me alone I'm cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and um they looked at me, they looked in my ears they said, well, she looks okay. Watch her for seizures. And they sent me home mm-hmm. and i lost my sense of smell, which I have partial now, but it's, that has been sort of a sad thing of, mm-hmm. coming from that. But I couldn't go to school anymore. I couldn't right. wake up anymore in the morning. Um, and so I switched schools, you know, away from all my friends and I was like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I asked my mom, I like, please, can I quit? And one of the conditions of, of taking my GED in the California achievement test was I had to uh, take N L P. So I took my N L P practitioner. But I'd been at a mm-hmm. you know private school. I was mm-hmm. you know, I was actually able to easily pass the the test to graduate from a public school. And I tried mm-hmm. to start LSU and that failed miserably, as you can imagine. So between ages sixteen and twenty two, I learned how to rebuild my brain and what what we have in the book are um, not only the different techniques, like brain gym that you you and I were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. that I used, that we used to to reconstruct my brain and teach me how to learn again. I was mm-hmm. after the accident. I was so dyslexic. I was adding and subtracting backwards, and I couldn't tell you the months of the year in order, and um, I couldn't tell time on a regular clock. Mm-hmm. So, getting me back into balance took a while. And right. when I reached 22 years old, I was, you know, I was working and um, all my friends were doing, you know, semesters abroad and everybody was getting mm-hmm. ready to graduate. And all of my family has at least a master's degree. And all of my friends at that point were in med school. And, you know, I was not going to be the only one. In my mm-hmm. So something clicked. And an NLP, we call it a neurolinguistic program. It's called a threshold. You go over this threshold and you're like, you're done. And you, there's no plan ah. B. Mm-hmm. So I um, I had my own pearl stringing business, which is mm-hmm. what I did uh, through undergrad school. And I commuted. I started undergrad at a college nearby that was smaller. I needed 300 people in a class was not something that was good for me.
0: Right. And Just so kind of overwhelming. It was.
1: Mm-hmm. so smaller school down the road but it was a, like a 40 minute commute so but i piled it on and i blazed through and it was everything that i had learned between 16 and 22 i applied it and i ended up at the end of my um it was right at about the end of my second year i decided i wanted to go to law school mm-hmm. and i didn't i'd maul my math i put it all off okay <laughs> all of it Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to take a remedial math and then another math and then an algebra and then something else. So I had to have a a bundle of maths before I could graduate and start law school in the fall. Mm-hmm. Everybody was like looking at me like I was nuts.
0: You can't do I, that. You should
1: have seen mm-hmm. my advisor. She's like, ha ha, ha. <laughs> you can try.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: um, and I didn't tell anybody what I wanted to do, which um, we can talk about that too in a bit. I mm-hmm. decided because I didn't want to invite the negativity and the criticism and the, you can't do it. And the,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, Snickers, I, cause I knew that's what would happen. Right. And so I was taking roughly 18 hours a semester and I had on my ACT, I made a 24, which is all mm-hmm. right, but it's really phenomenal when you consider I had a four on the math section. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to retake my ACT and get a, a 19 or above. Mm-hmm. and i used some of the techniques in this and beyond rainmaking most most notably intentionality the well-formed outcome and mm-hmm. um photo reading and i made a 20 on the math section so mm-hmm. i tested out of that math and into a math that was so far over my head it was silly so long story short i managed to cram two maths and a statistics into uh two semesters mm-hmm. i graduated with a 3.7 wow um I managed to convince my law school and my undergraduate to let me dovetail my first semester of law school with my last semester of electives. So wow. I actually started law school without a college degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was Loyola in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. and um, But here's here's the back to no plan B with the threshold. I got my apartment in New Orleans before I was accepted to law school there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you knew it was going to happen.
1: I like, there was no plan B. I didn't want mm-hmm. one, didn't need one. I knew it was going to happen. I knew mm-hmm. that I would pass all my classes and I was like, and I put a deposit down and you could actually hear the, <gasps> from my family when they found out
0: <laughs> you did. What? She's going to lose that money. Oh, no.
1: What? Because they mm-hmm. all were expecting me. I am even my my biggest cheerleader was only had like a smidge of hope that it was actually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I did it. And I ended up after, after the semesters I would carried in undergrad and the travel and all this stuff, law school felt like a holiday. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I had two jobs the whole time through. I had two jobs and an internship at one point, but that was too much. Mm-hmm. I, I dated I had a wonderful social life. And when it came around to the bar exam, I ended up studying only maybe three to five hours a day for the Mm -hmm. bar exam. I was putting together a photography show that went up, my first big one that went up in the world trade center in Dallas, the same week as the bar exam. So I was in the dark room half the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't take the test. I mean, sorry, not the test, the um, bar review, because it was at night and my dark room Mm -hmm. was only truly dark at night. Uh So I had to print then. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so basically i that's how i studied for the bar exam i used all these tools and when mm-hmm. time came it was 21 hours over three days monday wednesday friday mm-hmm. 21 hours of essay and i not only passed the first time i skipped a section because i didn't want to take it mm-hmm. the law had changed in that area and they i asked us do you want us to to new, know the new law or the old law, and they said we don't know. I was, yeah. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen, huh? So I'm supposed to know two sets of you know confounding. Right. I'm like, uh, no thanks. No. <laughs> and when I when I went back for the test after that, the these ladies were going crazy trying to find. She's like, we can't find your test from the last one. I'm like, I didn't
0: take it. They're blank stares. You what? Right. You what? You what? So they're expecting to see you again because you're not going to pass. Right.
1: Um, but here is the cool thing. And this is how, and this, I, I've been prohibited by the way, from talking this candidly about the book when I speak at law schools, because they don't want the students to get the wrong idea.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Which is
1: f- frustrating for me. Cause I'm like, this is the idea. It's
0: it's doable. <laughs>
1: so mm-hmm. for that exam, for my bar exam, we were supposed to pick a two, a two word name and then a set of four numbers to as an identifier. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I'm one of those people. I'm like, I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way, so I'm not gonna be like Atticus Finch or you know, right. Matlock me or <laughs> uh-huh. gonna pass. I, I wanted something that was so just unoffensive. Easy, mm-hmm. If somebody would look at it and go, ah, oh, oh. yeah. So, um, I have these little. Remember those little golden books, like Book of Trees, Book of. Oh yes. I, mm-hmm. I had a book of trees in my desk just. I collect. I have a tiny like. When I say collection, I have like six of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was flipping through it, and I I picked a red oak. Mm-hmm. Rose in the south. A big stout tree. Oak trees have a good, you know, have a good energy, a good metaphor about them. So mm-hmm. I'm I'll go with the sturdy oak. So I, I used red oak as my name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was on the third day in uh, I think it was the business entities section. There was a dispute about a landscaper delivering the wrong type of tree. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, no. And instead,
1: I know, <laughs> instead of delivering white oaks, they delivered red oaks. And I, oh dear goosebumps again, I had to stop and like take mm-hmm. a few deep breaths. I'm like, they're going to think I cheated. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. how? You, you
0: knew what it was going to be. Uh-huh. I know.
1: That's how tuned in I was. Mm-hmm. That's how tuned in I was to that bar exam. And I actually, when I look back on the, not just the study period, but the test itself, I had a good time hmm. Not what you're going to hear from most people.
0: <laughs> right. You know, because they do. They spend, you know, 10, 12 hours a day right. studying and just cramming and cramming and cramming. And, you know, that's what impressed me about your book was, you know, yes, there's positive thinking. There's, you know, all of these things in it, but it's not a kumbaya book. Mm-mm. It is very much, here are the tools, some of them may work for you, some of them might not, some of them you need to do more of, Some, you know, all those various things. Find what works best for you is obviously what I'm trying to say. Right. And, you know, but by using the tools in your book, that was why you were able to do this and go into it, I think probably a big part of it was with a, a relaxed mental state, yes. or maybe not relaxed, but not, oh my God, what am I doing now type of, of mental state, and that's that was part of why I liked the book, because we all have things like that, whether it's that we're getting ready to give a presentation or a job interview or, mm-hmm. you know, a, a project at work or, a, you know, studying for tests, all those various things. Ninety nine percent of it is your attitude going in. And I loved, you know, a lot of what you talked about in your book, because it, it really was how to achieve that mental state with being so prepared that it's you can go in that way and that
1: when I I have the meditation that a little meditation I did when I sat down Mm -hmm. every day and um and that really is is kind of the backbone of book two is is taking that piece and the well-formed outcome and the emotional freedom technique and turning it on anything Mm -hmm. um but I, there was a point midway through my studies where I where I sat down one morning and I did that meditation, which is where I imagined how how it was going to be in the test room and how I f- would feel when I opened the booklet and mm-hmm. you know kind of a smugness. And um, it clicked like I f- I right. felt it click in. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is a done deal. Mm-hmm. And then all of the study after that was it felt like almost overkill. Mm-hmm. like gravy, like, <laughs> right, <laughs> this is, right. it's a done deal. And, mm-hmm. and I've, you learn that feeling and there everybody's had that feeling at some point in their life where they're, where they know something's a sure thing. And it is, mm-hmm. and it turns right. out to be a sure thing. When you identify it and learn that feeling, um, you can use it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you, you can use it to make, to, to gauge other activities as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Right let's talk about a, a just, you know, we, cause we want people to buy the book. So we're only going to talk about a couple of the things, sure. but you know, I, one of the ones that really caught my attention was the, uh, the, the photo reading mm-hmm. because I, I do that without having knowing that was what I was doing. Um, so talk to us about what photo reading is and why it really works.
1: Photo reading is, um, and I'll have to preface this with, I'm not a trainer. I don't work for them. Um, I just have
0: because there's an actual course. There's a course.
1: This photo reading is a course, and um, there is actually somebody wonderful in Atlanta teaching in Millicent St Clair. Um, it is a method of using a combination of an intentionality and priming mm-hmm. um, to to familiarize yourself with the material. And mm-hmm. priming, I've I've been experimenting with it in so many different ways, essentially, and there's so now at this point, even since Beyond Rainmaking came out, there is a lot more information about how priming works. But mm-hmm. the more you expose your brain to something, the more it picks up, right? Just simple like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you've I'm sure had the experience of knowing every not just every word to a song, but where the drums are going
0: to come in, and right where somebody's your favorite, you know, mm-hmm. right where you know everything, where somebody's mm-hmm.
1: going to go, ah. Oh, you, mm-hmm. And you know it, and you remember it, and you're like, how do I even know this song? I didn't even like this song. I tried, right. I tried to avoid this song, and I turned mm-hmm. it off when it came on the radio, but you still got it in there. Mm-hmm. That's priming. That is a perfect example of priming. And what it does mm-hmm. is it circumvents the conscious sorting, and it goes straight mm-hmm. into what is called um, implicit memory. Mm-hmm. Which, um, like if I, I can't see you right now, but if I could, uh, if I asked you how tall a curb was... The mm-hmm. road, you'd probably show me with your hands about four inches, right? Right. You didn't study it.
0: No. You just, you just know it. it's been
1: seen out of the corner of your eye for so long. And what they found mm-hmm. is that peripheral vision um, is one of the one of the primary conduits for the building of implicit memory. So what mm. photoreading does is it helps you to train your eyes to take in information from written matter mm-hmm. through your peripheral. Hmm. And it is not immediately accessible usually in the way that something you've consciously read, you know, and a lot of people read really slowly because they're saying things out in their head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not there as readily. What you do to bring that information up is it's, it's, it goes straight to the bottom, if you, mm-hmm. if you can call it that. Let's just say implicit memories, you know, deep. So it goes right Mm -hmm. there and then it has to come back up. So Mm. they teach you how to, how to do different meditative techniques to bring that information up out of the depths of your implicit memory. Mm -hmm. And it is implicit memory is so powerful that it's normally um, the things that are stored. There are your um, emotions, uh, things you learned as a child, like riding a bike. Mm -hmm. That's why it's so easy.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Your primary language is Mm -hmm. usually implicit and, Um, things that happen in early childhood, the deepest, darkest fears and the traumas that you consciously don't remember, those are an implicit. Mm -hmm. And in cases of amnesia, the things that are, that stick around like language and, you know, spider phobia, that's -hmm. because it's an implicit, not explicit memory. And explicit memories are the things that you consciously learn. Mm -hmm. Two times two is four. Mm -hmm. Um, so photo reading really just plays on a combination of priming and of taking information in via the peripheral and in, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, ho- I'm hoping I'm describing this right. <laughs> Learning strategies may call me, but it, it works so well. And mm-hmm. one of the things when I talked to you about pulling off that math miracle, that was mm-hmm. photo reading. I actually, for one of the classes, <laughs> my mom loved to tell this story. For one of the classes, the book was like 95 bucks. Mm -hmm. and it was discontinued so I couldn't sell it back and the the only copy they had in the library was checked out and so Mm -hmm. I went and sat Indian style in the bookstore and photo read that sucker as many times as (laughs) I possibly
0: could and it's just kind of flipping through the pages right right
1: and it's you're flipping through the pages rapidly taking a snapshot essentially Mm -hmm. we all have a photographic memory it's a matter of of using it and training it, we're, we are all not at the same degree of some people.
0: Some mm-hmm. people
1: really have a super photographic memory, but we all have it to some degree. And you can make that muscle stronger by using mm-hmm. it. And so I actually got kicked out of the uh, bookstore.
0: <laughs> the <lady laughs> they came knew up. you were cheating.
1: <laughs> She's, she like tiptoed up to me. She's like, ma'am, we don't know what you're doing but you're disturbing other people, and you're gonna either need to stop or leave or both.
0: Or buy the book. <laughs>
1: buy the right. Like okay, but it was all I needed, and I made a good grade in that class. Mm-hmm. And the whole, the whole theory, the whole I'm bad at math for me has been shredded and blown to bits. Right. All my life, I was I was you're bad at math, and da da da, because I had some negative early experiences with that. Mm-hmm. Wrong. I wasn't bad oh. at math. I was I was not taught well in math. Mm-hmm. And I believe that that's true for everybody. I mean, everybody who, who has that I'm bad at math thing going on.
0: Right. Yeah. We, we for whatever reason, weren't taught properly to start with. And so right. you're right. We got it stuck in our head. And maybe it's, you know, you're not bad at math, you're bad at history mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah. And, and that comes Spelling. back to those, yeah, those early things mm-hmm. that you get stuck in your head and um, you know, it's, so it, uh, you talk in your book about, you know, you get rid of those ideas just because somebody told you mm-hmm. you're bad at math, you're bad at history, you're bad at reading, whatever, doesn't mean you really are. Um, you know, it might mean you have to learn differently or, yes. you know, some, you know make some adaptations, but it, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're bad at it. And
1: the, it becomes a mantra. I'm, I'm bad at mm-hmm. names. I'm bad at math. I, I'm not a good speller. Uh, Well, when I hear when I hear that coming out of anybody's mouth, my first Mm -hmm. my first thing is either yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) or uh, I'm getting better at. Let's just change it, tweak it a little bit. Yes. I'm I'm learning to be better with names. I am Mm -hmm. looking forward to being a better mathematician and just Mm -hmm. take that take that negative mantra and turn it a little bit, turn Mm -hmm. it, turn it toward a little bit of hope.
0: Because right, you're not saying "woohoo!" It's okay. We can do this. Because honestly, if, if
1: when it we <laughs> want to see people get good at math, throw some money in the mix. Suddenly, yes. everybody gets real good at doing math.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> right. You know, and and it's it, the the photo reading thing. I mean, what impressed me about you uh, your law school exam or the bar exam is that you did this with multiple books every day yes. to prepare for it.
1: Yes, and that was. Um, I call it front loading and I'm actually working with somebody right now um, who's sitting for a real estate exam. And mm-hmm. it's my first thing was start front loading it. And with the priming, the more you do on the front end, the more familiar you become with the material. And my best way to to sort of explain this is if, um, if you grew up watching ice skating, like watching people do wonderful ice skating tricks and Mm -hmm. just were obsessed with it and watched just a ton of it. And then one day you were invited out on the ice. You would probably do okay. Mm -hmm. You would just from having the exposure and the, the, the familiarity with right watching other people, because we have what are called mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. So, and if you were on the ice that day with someone who had never seen an ice skate, how do you think you would perform in comparison?
0: Oh, you definitely be better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: So, this is what it is. It's multiple exposures over time, and even researchers have discovered that that can be more powerful than practice, mm-hmm. because the more familiar your your brain is with this information, the more opportunity it has to build a container to put put the information, and so right. by by doing what is almost a passive input over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again, just like, you know, you pick a fine time to leave me losing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it gets in there. And then when you go back to look at the material in earnest, you'll see a lot of things that make more sense right. with complicated materials. Like my husband's a chemical engineer.
0: Mm-hmm. And when he
1: was studying things like thermodynamics and heat transfer, I taught him how to use this so that the, the more complicated uh, systems made more sense right off the mm-hmm. bat. Right,
0: it's it's almost like a puzzle. You're getting little pieces every time, mm-hmm. and over time, it makes the picture. Yes,
1: yes, exactly. Good analogy. I like.
0: Yay! I have to use I'm that so proud though. of myself. You may, you may Just credit me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's funny because when I was getting my undergrad degree, I did a lot of this. You know, I was now I was a prodigious note taker. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, but I hated reading the books. Mm -hmm. I just never, you know, whatever the subject matter was, I I frequently sold my books back as brand new, Mm -hmm. Um, just for whatever reason. I never read them, but I I paid attention in class. I took notes. And then it was, when it was time for the test, I would review my notes and sometimes just scanning through them, flipping, flipping, flipping. And then when it came time to take the test, I could, in my mind, literally see page 12 halfway down Mm -hmm. on my notes and go, oh. That's where this is. And I could do that with dates. I could do that with pretty much anything. And it was a matter of just flipping through and flipping through. And luckily, I never, you know, very, well, I shouldn't say never. I very rarely did those horrible things that we used to do in college called all-nighters. Yes. Which that's just bad in so many ways. Um, because your brain does not function well when it's sleep deprived.
1: No, it doesn't.
0: Um but you know I would just right before I go in to take the test I'd look through my notes one last time and it was just flipping through you know not okay I'm going to read every single word cuz you can't right no But you know it was so it was interesting when I was reading this in your book because I'm thinking hey I kind of do that already
1: Well and and listening to to information as well like mm-hmm. I the, the chances that I did have to record uh lectures I would when I would go to the gym and when I think listen to them I'd mm-hmm put them at a volume that didn't really <laughs> bother me or get my attention and mm-hmm. it'd work out. Ah. And it, it just, you hear it over again. Right. And it's, it's just another way of bringing that information in passively and familiarizing mm-hmm. your brain with it. And the more fami- the the bigger container your brain can build for this, the easier it's going to be to access later. And mm-hmm. what you're saying about knowing the the page the first time I took photo reading it was a full weekend it was three days very mm-hmm. intense twelve hour days and at the end the the test to see if it worked or not was we all had um, we all had a dictionary we photo read mm-hmm. our dictionaries whole dictionary mm-hmm. and then she pulled some words out for each of us individually mm-hmm. where is it on the page. Just what, what, what side is it on and where is it
0: mm-hmm.
1: now, we didn't have to have the page number or anything. Right. Everybody was right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think I explained my, my experience with the second, second one is either in the book or in the blog. But with the second one, we photo read a book without a cover upside down with no identifying information in it mm-hmm. once and put it away. And then everybody mm-hmm. went into this meditation, like to get the impressions off the book Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had palm trees and a hangman's noose and uh, a train. Mm-hmm. Everybody had, you know, we all went to this atrium of the hotel and threw down our our imagery. And everybody, I had a treasure chest in mind too, had pretty similar stuff. There were a lot of palm wow. trees, a lot of treasure mm-hmm. chests and a couple of trains. And I was like, all right, what's, and the book was The Alchemist, ah. which is a story of a boy's journey and then mm-hmm. it does involve trains and palm trees mm-hmm. and treasure and <laughs> mm-hmm. and it was it was really neat that was right everybody had some applicable imagery that went with the book and mm-hmm. it was a it was a fast upside down read through and that's powerful just to mm-hmm. be able to to conjure the imagery within moments from reading something like that is gives mm-hmm. you a snapshot of how how useful this is
0: right. Well, and and clearly, it's not something that you just do overnight. You know, it's like, oh, I'm I'm I knew I I you know read a chapter about this, so I know how to do it. But it is something that you know. I'm thinking if if you have trouble reading, if you have trouble focusing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm one of those people. If it's a really good book, the world goes sure. away. But if it's not a really good book, it's like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> well, <laughs> and and textbooks and and things like that are typically the squirrel yeah. type of of things. You know, anything that can sidetrack me, I get sidetracked. And so, you know, having these tools to be able to go through the book and maybe you have to do it 10 times or 20 or, you know, whatever works Mm -hmm. for you, you know, maybe it does work with just one, but you know, it's, it's such a a great tool to be able to do. It is
1: absolutely. And with the bar exam, we had, we had a stack of, you know, big giant stack of books. Right. I had um, a big, you know, stack of tests that had already been administered way back Mm. and, I I got that stack of books and I started photo reading immediately. And for the first, for the first week, I would spend like mornings and then half days photo reading and the rest of the time Mm -hmm. reading it. And I read all of them all the way through. And then Mm -hmm. I did it again, looking for information. And when I, when I sat down to take the bar exam, I did the same thing. And it was funny because in this big, big room, uh, it was actually in the Superdome Big, yeah. <laughs> big room. Um, I, you, it, you cannot look at another person. There are proctors everywhere. There are, right. I mean, it's very, very tight, strict, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I sat down and I, I, you know, I had to do it slower. So I didn't upset anybody or freak anybody mm-hmm. out. So I photo read my whole exam and mm-hmm. I did it again. Then I did mm-hmm. it again and I went through more slowly and then I did it again and mm-hmm. I went through and I picked out what I, what I saw, what jumped out immediately as the issue. Then I did that again. Then I made mm-hmm. an outline. And in a three-hour essay test where most people flip open the book and put pen to paper and they start writing, mm-hmm. I was often an hour and a half into it before I even started writing anything in my blue book. Right. And I had a girl next to me one time who was getting so balled up because I wasn't mm-hmm. writing. I
0: went. And she's going, and she kept glancing
1: over at me. I'm like, don't look mm-hmm. at me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't get us in trouble. She kicked me. She nudged me. Uh huh. She, like, with her foot. And I was like, what is wrong like, with you? You were going to get us both kicked out uh-huh. of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it upset her so much. But I got to tell you, once the outline was done, when I went through and filled in my blue books, and mm-hmm. for those of you unfamiliar, they give you a blank book with a blue cover. It's just like right. a book. Mm hmm. I had I had a, a wonderful juicy pen that I loved. I had mm-hmm. didn't bring any white out because I felt mm-hmm. that confident.
0: Uh-huh.
1: I never had to scratch anything out. Every one of my answers had a clean clear header. Mm-hmm. And they they were beautiful. I was so proud. I wish I could get those Great. books back. Oh yeah. Um yeah. but that level of of planning and putting my my arguments together clearly mm-hmm. paid off so well. And right. it was that experience is, and I usually ended within three to five minutes of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So once it was done, it was like, boom, I
0: mm-hmm. got it
1: all on paper. It looked great. It was legible because I realized and was keeping it with my, with my whole don't rub anybody the wrong way. And my handwriting can sometimes lack a certain something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're so used to computers. And it was, it was for me, the most legible document I believe I've ever crafted. <laughs> I love it. Easy to read. I spaced everything out. Mm-hmm. Short, concise, to the point answers, and it worked.
0: Well, and the nice thing is when you were done, you were. it was this probably sense of relief. That Absolutely. You, you did a good job. And, you know, how many times have we taken tests? And, you know, I don't care if you're, you know, a fourth grader or a senior in high school or in college or, or whatever – and you hand it in and you think, Oh my god, I screwed that up. Or, you know, later on you're talking with your friends and they well, why'd you put on, on question two? Oh, I did something totally different. I mean, you know, you mm-hmm. and but you were so confident because you'd gone through the whole process that it was like, I'm okay. I'm I'm cool with it without being that I'm okay, I'm cool with it type of person. Yeah, that was
1: a good night. <laughs> we had yeah. we had fun that night.
0: Oh. well and and we do we get so stressed over it, and a big part of your book is the whole planning process, and that's actually what your second book really focuses yes. on um and I think that's probably where so many of us and hello, I'm raising my hand, waving it in the air, don't really plan um you know we 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 think granted there are times where it's like oh it'll take care of itself it'll work itself out. no you know we need to plan and sometimes it is having a plan b or having a plan c but you know why is planning so important and why do so many of us think we don't need to do it which is like a 12 hour conversation <laughs> it is a
1: 12 hour conversation it planning has the highest return on investment of any activity ever and, and that you'll hear that in business, but it's not just right. business; it's in life. Yes. And if mm-hmm. anybody, if you've ever painted a room, you know <laughs> that that the, the basically you can cut that chore down to a third or or less of of the effort by taking the time up front to plan, mm-hmm. to to tape things off, or
0: move right. the furniture around, or you know, it's the old measure twice, cut once thing. Yes,
1: exactly. And with I I joke sometimes that to be spontaneous you have to have a really detailed plan mm-hmm. in place so that you can have that freedom and for me planning oh. means freedom and trust me mm-hmm. it's not my it's not my first nature I am I have trained myself from off the cuff spontaneous Nancy to to plan it first because it saves so much time and it saves so mm-hmm. much money and it like we were talking about with the trip to France, it opens you up to opportunities and fun Mm -hmm. that you can enjoy then and not have to worry. And that, that is probably my biggest message. When you do have a plan in place, you drop so much stress Mm -hmm. that anything you do is going to be a more joyful experience.
0: Right. And, and, and we're not saying that the plan is written in stone, you know, oh, no. and, and I think that's where so many people get caught up is they think, but that's not my plan. That's not my goal. That's not the outcome that I wanted. Well, you know what? Then you change the plan. Well, the
1: plan often is the how. And actually book two is more focused on, on aligning with the why so that the mm-hmm. how will work. And I, I believe mm-hmm. that when you're not aligned with the why behind the, what you're doing, mm-hmm. It's, it's difficult to make a plan that would work anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you don't know the why you can, you can spin your wheels forever in a plan that's just not putting out. But if you know the why and everybody's been in that position where you had no plan B, it -hmm. was going to happen. And that was the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Then with that kind of congruence and that kind of alignment with, with the why behind the, what you're doing, Mm-hmm. things fall into place. It's mm-hmm. like magic. And that's right. when people step up in miraculous ways to help you out. That's when somebody says, you know, I know somebody who does this, maybe they can help you out. That's when things come together. And mm-hmm. it may not be the way you actually planned. But for for complicated things, having that why clearly marked, having it having that why the word I'm looking for is maybe an emotional attachment to the why, mm-hmm. the passion. Right. Things come together, mm-hmm. and then the plan you put together is going to be a plan that pulls you forward instead of instead of draining you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really that's the clue. When you when when what you're doing is a source of energy and joy instead of a drag, then you're on the right track. Mm-hmm. That's a clear indication. <laughs>
0: Right. So give us some examples of why, you know, what are we, is it, you know, why are we doing this? What's the outcome? I mean, what is, what is the why part? The why, um,
1: well, for everything, it's going to be a little bit different.
0: Right. You know, um. But it is kind of the why are you doing this?
1: Yes. It's why are you doing this? Okay. And, um. Since we just got back from Europe, I'll use that (laughs) because the, the why behind that was, was to build a network. Right. You know, it was, it was definitely a networking adventure, but Mm -hmm. we're, we are trying on right now, my husband and I, we're trying on the idea of being, lightening the load and being more mobile, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of stuff and a house and acreage and all it's great. Love it. Right. And it's, it's been a, we've lived a long time like this. And, um, part of the why behind that trip for us was how learning again, how we would do in a smaller space, how we would do Mm -hmm. in a a new place together. Mm -hmm. Um, and the why behind that was, is exploratory. That's what Mm -hmm. that trip was about. And Mm. when I, when I set up my, my plan for that, it was to have those experiences and, Mm -hmm really uh practice our our new friend making and practice mm-hmm. our networking practice our getting around practice our communicating with people through language barriers and we got to do all of that and it was a really joyful experience but that was mm-hmm. that was the why for that the greater why right. is is um freedom and, and right. I, I would say my my life the big why's My biggest why is to help create as many good, clear, clean communicators as absolutely possible. Mm -hmm. I want, and I I see a need worldwide, and I'm sure everybody does, for better communication.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Especially in this day and age. Greater
1: understanding and better communication. And I may Mm -hmm. just be one little spot here in Alabama, but if I can affect a few people and and put out um, more people like me, who, mm-hmm. who have that goal in mind, I will have made a good difference. Mm-hmm. And the right. second is absolute freedom. I'm one of those people. I like, mm-hmm. I like to call my own shots. I like to, to have the freedom to move around and do what I want to do and be myself and say what I want to mm-hmm. say, which um, I guess is a, an inherently sort of American thing. <laughs> and um, those are, those are my two big motivators. Right. And I want that for everybody I come in contact with. And I want them to feel that freedom, too, in whatever it is they do. And that's what being able to make this plan and being able to align with the why
0: mm-hmm. is
1: is a way of achieving that freedom because you really do have to know yourself to come up to know the why.
0: Right. Well, and sometimes the why can be very selfish, I'm assuming. Sure. So it can be, you know, that – you want to make X number of dollars or have X number of clients or pass the bar exam or, or whatever, because, and, and I almost think it uh, as it of the, if then statement. So we do this. Well, if that happens, then what? Okay. If that happens, then what? And part of that maybe is the planning process. So that's where you do have the, you know, some of the negatives. Okay. Well, if you don't pass that test the first time, Mm -hmm. then what? Right. You know, and, and so it becomes, you know, I've, I've even done it sometimes as a flow chart, you know, the, you know it, which is funny because I'm not a math person, but sometimes I do these flow charts. Flow charts and so I have a lot of these <laughs> if thens. And, you know, eventually you get to that big why, um, you know, it's because it is, you know, what, why were you doing all this? And, and if it doesn't happen, what, what then?
1: I I will in my experience with with clients, I will say there's the the why, the big whys that that come up over and over again are freedom mm-hmm. and leaving a legacy, right? Whether for children or for a cause or
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it, it's a it's it's the need to have a purpose in life mm-hmm. and to leave to leave a positive impact somewhere somehow, mm-hmm. and it's it's us leaving our little golden footprint on earth. Like did we right. did we leave it better? Mm -hmm. Have we improved something? And that's obviously for me, that's one of my drivers and I know it is Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And, and to make it a little, you know, pave the way a little bit for somebody coming up behind me. I'm looking Mm -hmm. forward, like Will and I were talking about what we want to leave behind the other day. And I I said, we need to leave. Like, I want to leave a fund, some sort of big, giant, fat scholarship for that person who goes back for a college degree at 40. Ah. (laughs) And then when they graduate... A big vacation at the end.
0: <laughs>
1: uh huh. <laughs> I love it because that's a tough road to hoe. Mm-hmm. I've been there, and it's hard. And you know, it's 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 about paving the way for people who have have come along my route and making it a little bit mm-hmm. easier for them.
0: Right. And then hopefully it becomes the pay it forward thing, sure. you know, where they think, okay, well, I'm going to do the same thing.
1: Exactly. And that's, I think, that's really the only way to get that. Mm hmm. It, it's 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 to allow that opening for people to do that.
0: Right. Well, you know, there's so many tools in your book and, and we really could talk about them forever, but we want people to buy the book. And so, um, you know, we're going to remind them again, it's called beyond rainmaking um, by Nancy Tilton hand, and you can get it on your favorite online bookstore, um, you know, and, and all those things. But let's talk about your new book that is coming out because it's kind of next, the next step. So, you know, it's, it's the, Almost part two is my understanding, and it's called Hands On Plan. Correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay. So why did you decide that you needed a new book? I, since about two
1: thousand and one, I've been planning my year out. And everybody does the whole New Year's resolution. So this is not a new thing. And everybody,
0: right? Is... And we get to February, and we didn't do any of it. Right.
1: Uh, and I would I would sit down and do this glorious mind map and and chart out sort of what was going on in my life and what I wanted out mm-hmm. of my life. And I did that for several years and around 2005 or so, I was looking back and I, I just pulled a random one that I'd done and I was like, huh, all this worked out. And so then I started doing it more consciously. And mm-hmm. um, it's the original name is Nancy Ko because was
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
1: and I sort of treated it as like a, like a beginning of the year corporate, like we're going to, st- Uh Uh-huh. Like my inner corporation, if you will. Right. And it has evolved over the years into something a lot more sleek and polished. And as I've learned new techniques, I've added them to the process. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: this past year, my husband and I sat down to work on our plans. Mm Because, of course, he's doing it, too. (laughs) Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And we just started talking about last year. Mm -hmm. And... Last year, you know, like, okay, well, we went over last year's plan again before we did this year's. Like, well, look at that. You know, the things that happened that that we really had planned for worked out really well, but there were other things. Other things mm-hmm. happened along the way that were, for me, bucket list items. I, I got to sing along with Elton John. And on a beautiful day outside at the Jazz Fest, oh. all oh. my life, I've wanted to hear Benny and the Jets live uh-huh. outside because it was, that's how it was recorded. Right. And, yes. um, I cried. It was, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. It was, mm-hmm. it was one of those moments that you just bookmark and memorize. like, here I am doing this. I swam mm-hmm. with dolphins. Oh. I saw phytoplankton for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a host of things that, that happened at three beach trips. Um, mm-hmm. It was a, a really great year. Uh my business almost doubled and we we kinda got to a point we looked at each other and like, how are we gonna top that? Right. <laughs> like, okay. And, uh-huh. Now what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now what? Well <laughs> we are midway through this year and I and I think we already have topped it. And mm-hmm. this year is and we haven't even There, there are so many things coming up that I'm excited about, including this book that it's, it was an attitude shift Mm -hmm. and you hear a lot of people at the beginning of the year, like good riddance to last year. And I had some dear, sweet friends doing that. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I know what your last year was like. Mm -hmm. Your last year rocked and you rocked. Right. And so what I ended up doing was, was I added another, another adjustment to this that I think it just like Pinocchio it sprung to life. And I said, Okay, this now is shareable. This is something that I now all the pieces are in place to such a degree that it's a recipe and it's a formula. It truly is uh-huh. it's a followable, step by step process. And I've mm-hmm. broken it down and you'll notice in brain making I wrote it because in the way that I wrote it, because I knew that anybody picking that book up would be freaking out. Panic, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, and have no time to read it anyway. So I wrote mm-hmm. it so that it would be cherry pickable. You can mm-hmm. flip to any one thing and just do that one thing. You don't have to, oh okay. You don't have to read all the chapters to get to one thing. Mm-hmm. You can pick a thing and try it, and it stands alone. They all all those every technique in that book will stand alone. Mm-hmm. So this one, it's it's short. It's a recipe, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, and. It is a just step-by-step step how we do it exactly. And right. if I were to go back and grade even 2011, um, if I were grading it, it, it's a solid, like, upper 80s, 85, mm-hmm. 88. So it's a good B. Mm-hmm. And it's an A now. It's been an A for several years. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. it's hitting straight. So that's why I decided to share it now. Mm-hmm. And it's it's, it's, it's simple. It's a very simple formula. It's easy to mm-hmm. follow, um, and it's it's a step process. And everybody that I've I've worked with thus far, client wise, have had phenomenal results. Mm-hmm. And that's you know I had to test it out, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And now I just just decided this is the year. It's complete enough to share, mm-hmm. and which is right. not to say it's not going to change. Oh, because it, it's gone through so many different you know, tweaks and adjustments and polishes Mm -hmm. and whatnot. But um, it's something now that you can pick up, anybody can pick up and use right away. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about it is when you get aligned with the why, and the why sometimes is just what you want. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I want? Right. Um, When you're clear about that, a few things happen. First of all, your mind stops dwelling on the worst case scenario. And that's probably the biggest thing because what happens and you know this from reading the book. When you when you start that self talk, oh my god, what if this happens? Oh my god, what if I fail this test? Oh my god, if I do this, this, and this, this, oh, I've never mm-hmm. seen this material before. What that does is actually eats up your working memory. Yes, and
0: it fill and and you get consumed with
1: it. Right, and that's test panic. I I'm fairly certain that most test panic is that self-talk amplified to such a degree that it actually shuts off your ability to access right. long-term memory and to reason. So you fill mm-hmm. up that space, your working memory with clutter, and it's your own self-chit-chat, mm-hmm. but it, it shuts down the system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, computer. It's like a computer crash.
0: Right. There's There's only so much memory space that is there.
1: Right. So by writing down what you want and zeroing in on it right away, you can you can actually carve it and set it aside. That's mm-hmm. no longer an issue, and it actually removes that as a stressor from your I- experience. Mm-hmm. So even if um, travel, here's here's like a random one. I'm big about making sure I have a, like a, a good intention for returning safely from any travel I do. Uh huh. And one day, um, my friend and I were going to Atlanta. hmm. Do a little do a little bopping around, and beautiful day we left and. As I was walking out the door, Will said, did you write a travel intention? I'm like, no. Because <laughs> it's good to have somebody remind you sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, buddy. So um, he's like, well, text it to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I texted him my travel intention. And and uh, we went to Atlanta. We had a great time. We were coming back. And it started to, you know these storms. It started. Oh, mon- yeah. Buckets
0: and buckets. Soon, mm-hmm.
1: Monsooning. And, you know, we were, it was almost like a whiteout. And I didn't want to pull over because that's dangerous. And so um, driving along and suddenly like two trucks started acting really weird in front of us. And I'm like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was, it was weird because two semis uh, were like playing this weird game of chicken. One went ahead and the other was started zigzagging across the highway and slowing, huh. slowing down and zigzagging. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is this
0: dork doing? Right. (laughs)
1: Like, oh my God, you know, people are going to run into me. Mm
0: -hmm. And so
1: finally we were almost at a stop and I saw this enormous dog.
0: Oh no. Like,
1: like, look like a Newfoundland or something. Mm -hmm. Giant black dog on the interstate. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, goosebumps again, if we'd been trucking along, if.
0: Somebody would have got it.
1: If we probably would have gotten it. Mm -hmm. And that was. That was a combination of the angels and I'm sure my intention, something, mm-hmm. something went right that day because the dog lived, the truck lived, we lived. <laughs> somebody, right. somebody stopped ahead, picked mm-hmm. the dog up and it it worked out, but that could have gone so many other different ways. And mm-hmm. so my why was simply getting back here to my sweet husband and my puppy dogs
0: mm-hmm. safely. Right. And and it is about thinking positive, you know, there, and I'm drawing a blank on the author of the book, but the power of positive thinking, Norman Was that Vincent Norman Vincent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. you know, many, many, many years ago. And, you know, what I said at the very start, it's not kumbaya, you know, it is about thinking positive about the outcome, planning for the positive now recognizing, yes, that there could be negatives and things like that. But when you, when it's a self fulfilling prophecy to be negative mm-hmm. then the negative is going well, to happen
1: well here's why this is the this is the other reason having that having that desire your why your want whatever you want to call it clearly stated in your mind is it it keeps your mind away from the the negative stuff and mm-hmm. the other thing is it helps you align with the positive so right in keeping with that, when you're, if, if you're focused on the worst case scenario all the time, mm-hmm. it's going to color your behavior. Mm-hmm. It changes the way you look, feel, act, and interact with other people. Right. And you can actually, through just that subtle shift in attitude, draw lesser things to you, things that are more mm-hmm. aligned with that worst case scenario. When mm-hmm. you're focused on your best case scenario and you have it nicely, clearly fixed in your mind... Mm-hmm. All of your actions, your words, your deeds, your your intuition are all tuned right there. Right. And mm-hmm. that's when your intuition to not take a turn or whatever is more likely going to be right. And it's when your interaction with someone else is more likely to draw that support and assistance for you to reach mm-hmm. your best case scenario, which is what you're angled at. Right. And everybody's had a bad day where they go and everywhere they go. Everybody was just mean. Everybody was a jerk today.
0: Guess mm-hmm. what? <laughs> you probably started. Well, it. <laughs> you know, if, if
1: if you start off on the wrong foot like that, people are going to match your own behavior, your own right. attitude. Even if it's not obvious on the outside, if you're radiating it from the inside, people pick mm-hmm. up on things just like lions and horses mm-hmm. do. Right. They can right. tell when you're not in a good mood. They can tell when mm-hmm. you're sad. They can tell. Mm-hmm. And so – Having having that best case scenario really does help you align your being with mm-hmm. the objective, right? And that's huge. Just that is. is huge, and that's why things right. come together the way they do when you do have that clarity.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely. Well, holy cow, we are <laughs> at the top of the hour, and we just scratched the surface of this. I mean, you know, that's that's the thing. And and so tell people how they find you online and when they'll be able to buy. Your next book, Hands on Plan.
1: Okay. You can find me at www.nancytiltonhand.com. I am on Twitter and I am um, Nancy – no. Oh, Lord.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. When you have to say it, we're like –
1: I'm Nancy Tilton Hand on Facebook and I believe I'm Mm -hmm. Nancy HTH on Twitter (laughs) or Hand on Twitter. That's it. Cool. Yeah, I know. I That should be right there on the top of my head. I mm-hmm. I, I don't tweet as much as I should. I'm hanging my head here, Deb.
0: Oh, I, no, I don't tweet as much as I should either, I am, so I'll join you. Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm on, of course, uh, YouTube at Nancy Tilton Hand. And you can go to my website and find um, most of the blogs that I have posted have accompanying um, Everyday Tapping, which Perfect. is using emotional freedom technique, which is a big component in both. Beyond Rainmaking and in the hands-on plan. And hands-on plan, I actually have some more information about that because I got tired of people telling me it's magic and it's the energy and it is absolutely to some degree. But I went and I found the hard science behind it and I'm very happy about that because now it's a lot easier for me to explain it to Mm
0: -hmm. people. That's the lawyer part I, of you.
1: Well, and you'll notice, you saw the extensive bibliography in, in mm-hmm. Beyond Rainmaking. I knew that I couldn't put a book out with so many cutting-edge, like, right. fringe things in it without having mm-hmm. the science to back it up. Mm-hmm. And I, when I do the updated version, and I will probably relabel it so it doesn't seem so angled for the legal community, um, the the research that's going to go into this, the updated, is just beautiful, and it's exciting. Right. So find me online nancytiltonhand.com and cool. I am um Beyond Rainmaking can be found on the major booksellers. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hands-on plan we're looking probably at around October.
0: Perfect. Perfect. And,
1: and it's exciting that I don't expect it to be a very long book at this point it's not and um I want to I want to hear how other people are using it and how easy it is to use from a, a written perspective.
0: Perfect. I love it. Well, we are up against the clock, so we need to go. Oh, thank um, you. I, I had fun. Yes, this has been so much fun. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a fabulous time talking with Nancy Tilton Hand. And until next time, everyone have a great week. Thanks for listening to Deb Creer, your social media friend. Tune in next time to listen to more great tips, techniques, and trends for using social media. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.